0: The Man Who Wasn't There Episode 5 I want to tell you about a colour photo that the prosecutor showed the jury with no objection from the defence at the Sue Neil Fraser trial in 2010. It's a dramatic photo of the inside of the yacht's dinghy. Remember, the white one with blue trim. And it shows the chemical luminol that had been applied to the dinghy surfaces, erupting in a bright, luminescent colour on a number of parts of the inside of the dinghy. It's a very spectacular photograph. Quite unforgettable and a terrific visual aid for a trial. Now, luminol reacts to around 100 common substances, including some vegetables and human blood. It'll come as no surprise to you that the scientific team, when they applied luminol, were not looking for traces of any vegetable. They were looking for traces of blood. Specifically, Bob's blood. Because the police theory was that Sue had somehow got Bob's body, his bloody body, into that dinghy, and then taken the dinghy out into deeper water, where she got rid of the body, so that in the deeper water it would be carried away. All theories are subject to be proved by data. And the data in this case was that there was no blood in that dinghy, and the technical officers who gave evidence for the prosecution about the testing of the dinghy knew when they gave that evidence that there was no traces of blood they knew it because luminol is just a preliminary test it's a standard part of a crime scene examiner kit once the luminol reacts to something the scientific people have to take the relevant material back to the lab and do confirmatory tests. That was done, as it should have been done, quite properly in this case. They took the whole dinghy away. They did the tests. They did a lot of them. They signed off on the results of those tests. Every one of them was negative. That is. There were no traces of blood. That done, and again, quite correctly, the technical office put those test results in a lengthy report. And that report was sent to the Director of Public Prosecution's office and it also went to the defence. Now, there's nothing unusual about scientific reports of this sort. Lawyers who specialise in criminal law practice are expected to get their heads around them. And where they have problems, there are both government and independent specialists to whom they can go for explanations so that they're properly prepared by the time it goes to trial. Sadly, in this case, we know that the prosecutor never read that report. He admitted that in writing in November 2017. And at the time when he admitted to not reading it, he also admitted to not being sufficiently on top of the science. The other thing he did. I shake my head at this every time I think of it. Is he blamed his subordinate? So, we've got a report. We've got scientists coming to give evidence about it. And we've got a prosecution that's not prepared. But neither were the defence prepared. We know that they at least looked at the report because there are notes written on their copy of it. But we also know that they never asked any of the obvious, necessary questions of those scientific officers when they were giving evidence. One would have to assume that they too never did even the minimal necessary preparation. The sad results of this sad confluence of mismanagement and ill preparation are as follows. First, the prosecution put a useless but spectacular photo in front of the jury. It became an exhibit. Now, when we put evidence into a trial, it must pass the test of relevance, that is, it has to go towards proving something that's its issue in the case. From what I've already said, it should be clear to you that the mere results of a luminal test are not relevant at all. It's the confirmatory tests, in this case, the negative confirmatory tests, that are highly relevant. Now, the only possible explanation for putting that photograph in front of the jury was that it would lead them to believe that there was traces of blood, lots of traces of blood, in that dinghy. Now, if the defence had been prepared, they would have objected in the strongest terms to the attempt to tender that photograph. But apparently, they stayed silent position was then significantly worsened because the lead scientist conveniently forgot about all the negative tests, including the ones that she had signed off on. And instead, she spun a line about how she could tell when the luminol was reacting to blood. This was a variation on the Trust me, I'm a scientist, line. Subsequently, this person left Australia. Probably wisely. Because although there was no objection from the defence to her evidence, what she did was to throw aside the obligations of which she was very well aware that she had a primary obligation to assist the court In this case, the jury, and that her obligation to assist them truthfully and frankly was somewhat more important than some feelings that she had about wanting to help the prosecution case. Now, none of those problems were known to the jury, who therefore were fully entitled to rely on the evidence, not only they. But the trial judge too. Now, subsequently, Barbara Etta, co author of the Etta Selby papers, which were tabled in the Tasmanian Parliament at the end of August in 2021, she had reported those problems to the authorities, the police, the Director of Public Prosecutions, and the government. And she did it years ago. Now, those entities didn't just refuse to engage with what she wrote. They were much more proactive. They set out to shoot and reshoot the messenger. And they're still doing it in September 2021. The lesson that we can all learn from this is that the hardest thing can be to own up to say you're sorry, even when you know that the person paying the price for your errors is spending every night for over a dozen years in prison.